athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Baby bet, ay, Cobra X, ay, Cobra Grammys on you, Cobra Plex, ay, that's fat, ay. You got it locked to the absolutely dopest show on radio. This is Box to Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. As always, we got a whole lot to get to on today's program. I want to get right to it. I was absolutely appalled. I was shocked, first and foremost, when I heard, as, as I'm sure some of you were, and maybe you weren't, I don't know. I'm like, you know, when I looked at John Gruden, of course, John Gruden resigned as the head coach of the Oakland Raiders amid some of the comments that he made in emails going back to 2011, talking with then-former uh, Washington football team, or then known as the Washington Redskins now, Washington football team general manager Bruce Allen uh, about Demoris Smith and the size of his lips, uh, about uh, gays, uh, about women. And I was absolutely, and of course this started off, and you know where there's smoke, there's fire. When you have one thing that happens and it's bad, you know not only, uh, you know that there are going to be other things that have come out from this and they're going to be found out and listen I going back to his days as the coach of the Raiders and the Buccaneers I mean you know he was known as Chucky he was very intense um, won a Super Bowl with the Buccaneers and then went into broadcasting and was absolutely phenomenal so to say that I was shocked to learn of this is, I mean, is putting it delicately. Like, I I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And it just really goes to show that, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's sad, really, to be honest with you. It's sad that uh, for this man to think that, to first of all, put these things in writing. I mean, it's one thing if you, you can't stop someone from the way they think uh, a, a lot of people have thoughts about certain things, but may not, you know, may portray them or themselves as different from their thoughts. They'll separate the two, but for him to be comfortable uh, to be able to put this in the email, in an email, it didn't matter that he didn't work for the national football league. Okay. He worked for ESPN. He was, like one of the faces of the National Football League for ESPN. He was the man, no question about it. You look at the Monday night uh, football broadcasts. I mean, he brought a lot of great commentary. Uh, he was very colorful, uh, to, to say the least. And then he had what the quarterback school thing that they would have. 
when he would bring the top quarterbacks in from college and talk with them, watch film with them, they would show it. I mean, it was, it, it, he, was, he was really good at that, right? But to think that even during those times that he had already sent a lot of these emails, uh, man, I, I tell you what, you know, there, there is such thing as, you know, boys talk, right, or locker room talk. There is such thing as that. And I'm not saying it's right. Like, I'm not saying that that's right. But there is such a thing. But to put it in an email to executives and others of the National Football League, you talked about Eric Reed in the protest, said he should have been fired. I mean, it's a lot of things uh, that he said that he had thoughts on, which, again, you, you talk about someone separating themselves from who they are and then who they portray themselves to be. That was the ultimate right here, right? You never heard him mention, or at least I don't recall him mentioning anything. And by the way, he also talked about uh, then-President Obama and now President, uh, now President Joe Biden when he was vice president during uh, the, their re-election back in 2012. So it's so many different things that he talked about. He talked about, people talked about Roger Goodell, uh, called him the F word, uh, right, in referring to, um, in referring maybe specifically to um, uh, 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 Goodell, the National Football League, trying to make the game safer. And believe me, I'm no apologist for the National Football League. But this, I was more than shocked. Uh, I was very disappointed. Um, and look, we act like we we're going to act like this is the last time we're going to hear something like this, right? This has been going on forever. And even as entities, and I guess we as society, have tried to be more tolerable. Not that we should, we should be tolerable anyway. Like, think about this. Like, I've talked about this before. Like, think about this. You're going to discriminate against someone because of the color of their skin you never you don't know them you don't I mean think about that like think and, and that obviously has gone on through time right and and just I mean you know we still live in a racist society there's no question about that but you think about the just the 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 how things were uh yeah are they better now Sure, they're better now, but I mean, it's still it's still not eradicated. It's just different. It's different now. The racism is different now. I think we are seeing where um, people of color, um, LBGTQ plus people are advancing now more right because of all of these things that have come out. You look at the George Floyd situation. You can point to any number of things where the awareness is raised more. But you're always going to have people like John Gruden. And yes, the investigation was uh, had to do with the Washington football team, which, boy, it seems like the Washington football team is always being investigated. Like, whatever the investigation is, they need to get to the bottom of it and, uh, and do something. I, I mean, I don't know, right? Like, I don't, I don't know, you know, what, what, they were investigating specifically. I mean, I know we've had so many 
so many things against the Washington football team, um, sexual misconduct, uh, to say the least, uh, specifically against cheerleaders, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, but getting back to John Gruden, okay, again, a poll, you're always going to have people like this. And again, for him, I mean, and, and, and to the point, that's been made in most of the comment, most of the comment. I haven't read a lot of commentary, some commentary, even some of, so I try, I try to stay away from commentary. I try to get and read pieces that people do that state facts and not get into commentary because I want to formulate my own opinion. But as been said, even in pieces that are not commentary, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's for him to be comfortable enough to talk with executives in the National Football League, even though he's, I mean, he's working for Disney. Think about that. Like Disney's got this brand, it's children. Think about that. ESPN is owned by Disney, right? So even think about it from that perspective. And for him to be comfortable enough to have those conversations in writing, in email, to people in the National Football League, it's absolutely appalling. And you know what? How much culpability in this does the National Football League have? Because if you look at any national, if you look at any of the team's email addresses, it always says NFL dot the nickname of that team dot com. So the NFL, the NFL, right? Ha, of all the of all the professional sports leagues, right? The NFL has the absolute most control over its clubs. The absolute, the word is absolute most control over its clubs. So my thing is I'm wondering, okay, what did the league know about this earlier? Like, the, the, does the league not monitor emails? How 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 much you know is the is this something that the league is just now finding out about? The league didn't know about this before. This has been going on since 2011. It stopped in 2018 because now, in essence, John Gruden is an employee of the National Football League. So I, I guess he thought because I mean, listen, ESPN or Disney has a partnership with the National Football League. So you think that absolves you, right, if you're John Gruden from uh, from from someone finding out about this or the scrutiny coming down because you're not an employee at that time of the National Football League and you notice it stopped in 2018 because he now became an employee of the National Football League? Somebody at the National Football League knew about this and kept it under wraps. And if you're in the national, if you're the National Football League and you didn't know about this, then that is even worse. I'm not saying that you should. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I am saying that you don't. I mean, there's there's not privacy, right? Like you shouldn't have be able to share private emails. But no email should be private. Right. Like that's company business in any company, not just in the National Football League. So you should be able to open your unless you have a personal account. Anyone at any time in that company 
can check that email out. Just like if you leave that company, it is not your email. That email and that email address belongs to that company. You're trying to tell me that no one in the National Football League knew about this prior to now? Not sure about that. Your thoughts. Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Let me set the table for you. We got a good show for you today here on the program. Of course, my NFL predictions for week six of the National Football League. And still to come, Langston, head football coach, Quentin Morgan. But up next, we're going to be joined by University of Miami, head football coach, Manny Diaz. You've got it locked to Box to Row. More of Box to Row with Donald Ware is on the way. Did you know that Miracle Food is used to remove incurable diseases from the body, such as cancer, herpes, diabetes, high blood pressure, HIV, and more? It is also a natural, safe way to treat disorders such as anxiety, depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, ADHD, autism, dementia, Alzheimer's, skin, hair, eye disorders, even paralysis. Miracle Food is taking over the medical industry by storm. ChakraDoctor.org. 818-429-1675. The Greater Raleigh Sports Alliance invites event planners, athletes, and fans to jump back into all the sports opportunities that Greater Raleigh, North Carolina has to offer. From BMX racing to baseball, soccer to swimming, world-class venues for championship play at every level are right here. Along with first-rate hotels and exciting off-field attractions and experiences. Learn more and plan your next play at RaleighSports.org. Now, back to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Let's continue here on Box to Row. We're joined by a gentleman in his third season as the head football coach at the University of Miami. As the Hurricanes coming off a bye week, as a matter of fact. And on Saturday, going to make the trip to Chapel Hill to take on North Carolina. Manny Diaz joins us here on Box to Row. Coach Diaz, welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Your, your thoughts, on what, what did your team do? You, you had the loss a couple of weeks ago to UVA. Tough loss, uh, uh, as you know. But uh, just what did your team, what did you all do during the bye week? This bye week was unique uh, to other ones that we've had. Um, uh, we th- th- That was a hard loss, as you mentioned. And normally your, your instinct would be you, you want to get right back and play. The last thing you want is two full weeks to stew on, on a game like that. But um, the way our September went, we, we really needed a week to, to recalibrate us. Uh, we didn't spend a whole lot of time on North Carolina. Uh, we almost went back to a training camp mode, almost a summer conditioning mode. And we had to – you know, we had to redefine what our intentions were. We had to redefine uh, what our motivations were and, and make sure that everybody was uh, was on board with uh, what it was going to take for us to finish uh, the season a lot better than we started it. So what did that sort of th- this week consist of? Well, you know, there's only so much, you know, we're limited in what we can do now, right? You know, we're, we're obviously, we've, we've been deceived by injuries. We can't, you know, just take the team out and just beat the heck out of them in <laughs> old school style. 
But uh, what you can do is you can run. And running will, running will tell you a lot about somebody's motivation. We, um, you know, we, we told the team last week we were going to have a week of, of things that they would not want to do. And they, we were going to force them to accomplish things um, that your, your natural better instinct would tell you that, that you'd rather not do. And by doing those things, uh, that actually helps breed toughness, resiliency, and some sort of connection to those that are going through the same thing that you are. And, and that's kind of the stuff that happens in off-season program. That's kind of stuff that happens, um, you, know, you know, in the summer training, summer conditioning. You don't normally have to do that in, in you know, early October, but that's kind of what we needed after where we started. You know, all, uh, as you know, all losses are tough. But, I mean, that, that, that UVA loss had to really stick in your crawl, uh, if you will. Just how disappointed were you after that loss? Well, for a couple of reasons. One, we, we – I mean, first, obviously, you have to give Virginia credit. We, but to our point, we didn't play very well at all for the first three quarters of the game, you know, maybe the first 40 minutes of the game. Um, I think what made it so harsh, though, is we played so well down the stretch. And when things looked really dire, um, and it would have been very easy for us to, to sort of, you know, fold our tents, our kids hit another gear. And the way we played and the fight that we showed – um, and, and watching our young quarterback kind of go up right in front of our eyes, um, and then to go down the field, you know, it would end up being some, you know, it would have been, it would have been a 80, 90 yard similar drive to give yourself a chance to win, and then you know, and, and then have the the kick missed by a few inches. Um, that's tough. It's, so it's tough because it's like you mentioned, any loss is tough. It's tough because we certainly made enough mistakes to be deserved of of a defeat, but but at the same time the effort and the fight back and, and the resiliency our team showed, you want that to be worth a victory, and, and ultimately it wasn't. Manny Diaz in his third season as the head football coach at Miami joins us here on Box to Row. You lose your quarterback, Derek King, uh, for the season. Uh, you're, you're starting Tyler Van Dyke. He's a freshman, although he did get some time uh, on last year. Speak to how big of a loss King is, and then what do you have in Van Dyke? Well, he, he's an immense loss. I mean, it would be hard to imagine, you know, North Carolina without Sam Howell or most teams really without their starting quarterback. But what Derek meant to our program is a little bit different because he, not just what he does on the field, but he really changed us. And we were kind of, we were kind of a wreck at quarterback a couple of years ago. And, and Derek came in and just sort of stabilize the entire organization, um, not just because of his play, but just who he is in the weight room, in the locker room, just his day-to-day, you know, just he's, he's, he's as hard of a worker as you can have in your program, just a great leader, a great person. Um, so that whole, you know, that, that, that it's hard for one person to replace that because he moved the needle on every player in our locker room. So Tyler, you know, to his credit, is – almost Derek's peer in terms of work ethic. He's phenomenal in the off season. Um, so those type things I think do help um, with our team because I think they do have a lot of respect for the way that Tyler works. Yeah. Not, you know, you're not quite halfway through the season, two and three, of course, the upcoming game against North Carolina. Where, where are you? Where do you sit right now? What are your thoughts on where your team sits right now? Well, I mean, look, we're we, it's mid-October, and somehow, some way, we still control our destiny in the league, right? Um, so, no matter what has been, no matter what parts of what has been that we don't like, <laughs> we still have a chance to to write our own story. 
and a lot of teams in the country don't. Um, so we, we, you know, we, we've got the pen, you know, and so whatever's happened, we have an opportunity to, to change it. Uh, we can make the story go any way we want to. So there, there is power in that. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, this the ACC race wide open. To your point, you went out, you know, you win the Coastal. I mean, that's the bottom line. Correct. And our, I think our players understand that. But you can't talk about winning seven games without winning one. And so I, I think we acknowledge that it's there. But I think right now we're, we're, we're more wrapped up in the process of what it takes to win one football game, uh, and especially one against a team as – as good as North Carolina. I mean, I, I, it is possible to have a good team with not a good record, you know, and I think North Carolina is certainly better than their record. I hope, I believe that our team is better than our record, and I think that will show on, on with both teams on Saturday. Manny Diaz, again in his third season as the head football coach at the University of Miami, joins us here on the program. What are some of the challenges that the Tar Heels present for your football team? Well, it all starts with the quarterback, right? I mean, how, you know, he's, he's our conference player of the year preseason, and, and he has done nothing um, to, in the first six games to show that he's not worthy of that award in the postseason. I mean, you know, I've seen the guy pretty up, up close since he first got there. I think he's playing better now than he has at any point of his career. Um, he is making plays, obviously, with his arm, but what he's doing with his feet right now is, is keeping them out of negative yardage situations. Um, and, you know, the fact that he's our second-leading rusher speaks volumes uh, to what's going on there. So, um, you know, and then obviously defensively, they're, they're you know, in, if you it's, it's distinct. I mean, if you look at the games that they won, uh, they've been very difficult to score on, and they've, and they've, they've uh, for the most part, and they've also scored points in chunks. You know, there have been some games where um, they've been more inconsistent, but that's sort of all of us in college football. So this is a team that we obviously have no choice but to have a lot of respect for because of the game that we played against them a year ago. Does it mean a little bit more to you going up against Mac Brown since you were the defensive coordinator at Texas the same time he was the head coach there? I, I don't sense that. Uh, I, I don't feel that way, really. Um, uh, you know, I'm appreciative of the fact that I got a chance to work at Texas under Mac. I learned a lot from him. I learned a lot from, from the situation and, and how it unfolded there. I think it was a big part of my career. Um, and, you know, and I think Mac is, since he's been back in, in the ACC and, and to have him on the, on the head coach's conference calls, I mean, you, just, you can just see his experience and what that does for our league. So, no, nah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get that sense from the other times that we've stood across the sidelines from each other. Yeah, you know, you're, so you're coming back to the triangle. You spent some years at NC State. Speak to sort of those years uh, at NC State and maybe uh, how special, if that is the case, a place the triangle is for you. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got three sons, and two of them were born in Raleigh. Um, it, um, it it's it's we, we spent six years in Raleigh, and and um, this this is our sixth year here in Miami. And the way that that coaching goes, you know, these, these are now the two longest six years of the longest two stops um, that me and my family have had anywhere. So we we've, we've got a ton of fond memories um, from the Raleigh area. Every time we land, you know, we we stay at the same hotel whether we're playing Duke, Carolina, or State. Um, and uh, and so you just you just can't help but be you know flooded back of, of memories of of the time that was there. My family absolutely loved it there, um, and haven't had you know a ton of opportunities to to get back other than you know usually staying in a visiting hotel, which ironically was our home hotel when we uh, when we stayed when we were at NC State. But uh, 
but yeah, I always, I always like when the plane touches down in Raleigh and you hop onto Glenwood Avenue and drive by the Angus barn. It, it, you can't help but have uh, memories. <laughs> that's yeah, that's good stuff. Last thought uh, for you, uh, having grown up in Miami, what does it mean to be the head football coach uh, at the University of Miami in the city where you were raised? Well, it's very personal to me, you know, I mean, obviously, um, you know, I'm, I, I grew up here, as you mentioned, and, and the Hurricanes were a big part of my life growing up. Um, you know, the Canes were coming to prominence, you know, really in my, you know, in the main years of, of my youth. Um, I know the expectation. I know the, the, the standard um, that the, the people in Miami expect this program to operate at. Uh, so I take it, I take it as, as a humongous responsibility um, to try to get Miami back to those those high points where it was in the 80s 90s and early 2000s so it's a it's a big job but but for me it's because of the 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 passion involved um it is a um it's a labor of love again Manny Diaz in his third season as the head football coach at the University of Miami joining us here on Box to Row the Hurricanes on the road on Saturday taking on North Carolina coach Diaz we appreciate the time Uh, We look forward to speaking with you soon. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. University of Miami head football coach Manny Diaz joining us on the program. That's old school, right? The bye week, we get out, we make you run. It was, and I watched that game against UVA, and it was a bad loss, and Miami did come back and ultimately could not finish the deal, and he went old school on the players, not to the degree that you used to be able to do it uh, back in the day. And listen, you know, Coach Diaz, when he was at NC State, actually when I was at NC State also at the same time, that was 2001, and I remember him being an extremely hard worker. I'd see him from time to time, he and some of the uh, coaching staff, uh, uh, particularly the defensive coaching staff would request stats or would want to do some comparisons and things of that nature. And especially, you know, I don't remember maybe even some comparisons, maybe not him specifically, but, you know, in, from a recruiting standpoint, how does the ACC stack up against the SEC even at that time? And I just remember him being an extremely hard worker. And to see uh, where he was, that's been – you know, 20 years ago to where he is now at Miami as the head coach. Uh, that's that's pretty cool. And, of course, all the stops he's had along the way. Up next here on Box to Row, going to switch gears. I'm going to give you my NFL predictions. When it comes to HBCU football, we've got you covered with another edition of the Box to Row Blitz. I'm Donald Ware. First, I'm going to take you to Lorman, Mississippi, for the SWAC Western Division matchup between Grambling and Old Corn State. Early in the first quarter, Old Corn State driving and no score. Harper straight back to pass here. Looks throws over the middle, and this is caught. Pringle to the 20, 15, then the 10, then the 5. It is in for the touchdown. 45-yard pitch and catch. Felix Harper. This is Charles Pringle. And the Braves led 7 to nothing. About eight minutes later, the Braves looking for more. Harper back to pass, looking left all the way, steps up, 
Harper's going to take off to the five. Gets to the goal line, and he is in for a touchdown. 14 yards, and at that point, the Braves led 14 to nothing. The Braves would take as much as a 24-6 lead, and Grambling would come all the way back, cut it to 24-13, to and had possession with about 90 seconds remaining in the third quarter. Clark, back to pass. Fade, one-on-one separation. It's going to be a catch, touchdown, Tigers. Noah Biden to Daryl Clark from 20 yards, and just like that, Grambling pulled to within 24 to 20. Now I'm gonna take you all the way to the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter, with Grambling in possession of the football and looking to take the lead. Back to pass, looks low, and this ball is batted in the air, it's intercepted, intended for White, it's picked off. It's picked off, and the Braves are going to win this game. Trying to fit it in a tight window. Juwan Taylor with the pick. My man, Charles Edmond on WPRL. The interception would preserve Alcorn State's 24-20 victory over Grambling. Now to Arlington, Texas, for a matchup between Southern and Texas Southern. The score was tied at seven apiece late in the first half and the Texas Southern Tigers with possession. Motioning into the backfield is Owens. Owens will take the handoff right at the middle. Back to the 10, the five, touchdown Tigers, and the Tigers take the lead. 14 to seven, Southern would get a field goal right at the end of the first half to pull to within 14 to 10. Now I'm gonna take you all the way to the fourth quarter as Texas Southern led 31 to 28, but the Jaguars had put together a nice drive and we'll pick it up from there. McDaniel takes the snap. He'll hold on to it, he'll play fake, and he'll be down at the one. They're gonna say it's a touchdown. From two yards and the Jaguars regain the lead at 35 to 31. You know Texas Southern has struggled all year long. They were looking to put something together very late in the fourth quarter had possession of the football. And again, we're gonna pick it up from there. First down and 10, handoff, it's to Ja'Cory Howard! Touchdown, Tigers! The Tigers take the lead with 39 seconds left to play. Touchdown, Tigers! Ja'Cory Howard with his second touchdown of the afternoon. That was Devin Wade on KTSU. The Tigers would go on to defeat Southern 35 to 31. And to the big showdown between Jackson State and Alabama A&M in Huntsville, Alabama. Glass back in the gun, takes a snap. Here comes James Houston. He hits Glass. The ball is loose, scooped up by Houston. He's at midfield. Houston at the 40, 30, 25. He will take it all the way in for the touchdown. And four minutes into the game, Jackson State on the board off the fumble recovery by James Houston. 67 yards as the Tigers routed Alabama A&M 61-15. James Houston named the Box to Row National Player of the Week. He had six tackles in the game, five solo, a forced fumble, a sack, and two fumble recoveries, and you heard the scoop and score. That's my man, Rob J on the Jackson State Sports Network. From the press box to press row, the radio show airs weekly on radio stations across the country, including Fridays 
7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central Time, and 4 p.m. out west on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM to listen to the show. Or for more information, log on to BoxToRow.com. All right, NFL predictions for week six here on Box to Row. And it was looking kind of shaky for me as I was going down the list, uh, but ultimately went nine and six. Not bad. Tough week to pick. Nine and six ultimately on last week. So I've got a couple of 10 and fives and a nine and six in terms of the picks. So now let's take a look at week six of the National Football League. Of course, the Eagles and the Buccaneers have already played. So Jaguars and the Dolphins. Mm, interesting. So I think this may be an opportunity for the Jaguars to pick up their first win of the season. You know, I thought the Dolphins would be better uh, than they ultimately are. Um, and the Jaguars are growing. Like, you know, you knew the running game was special, right? Like the running game is super special, uh, right? With James Robinson toting the rock uh, for the Jaguars. And I, I like the Jaguars. The Jaguars uh, uh, are... Uh, it was the game's actually in London, but I like the Jaguars to beat the Dolphins, the Panthers and the Vikings. So with the Panthers, uh, you know, McCaffrey being out is a problem now. Um, you look at uh, last week where the Panthers had the lead, couldn't hold on, ultimately lost to the Eagles. And the thing about the Panthers, um, we looked at the record. We looked at the 3-0 and start. I think we said, oh, man, the Panthers look like they're going to be really, really good. Um, and not that they aren't because this was supposed to have been a rebuilding season. Uh, it's not that the Panthers aren't good. you got to see a little bit more from Sam Darnold. He, has, he wasn't, wasn't good last week um, without McCaffrey. You know, the Vikings are solid. I like the Vikings in Charlotte. The Ravens and the Chargers. Wow. Wow. What a football game this is going to be. I mean, is there a team are there two teams that are playing better than the Chargers and the Ravens, more specifically the Chargers? Because with the Ravens, I mean, you're looking at Lamar Jackson and he's just must-see television. Right? I mean, he's got some weapons. The running game isn't as bare as it could have been with Murray in the backfield. But I'm going to tell you, man, he's getting it done. A lot of this, he's getting it done. But the Ravens do have a solid defense. You know, I look at Justin Herbert, all the weapons that he has all over the place. And I like the Chargers defense also. This is a tough game to pick. Really, really tough game to pick. But I'm going to go with the Ravens over the Chargers in Baltimore. The Giants and the Rams. So, like the Giants, they're not living up. They're not really living up to expectations. Like I, at least for me, like I thought the Giants would be better uh, than the Giants ultimately are right now. Um, but listen, you know the Rams. The Rams are good, no question about it. I mean, yeah, you know, you 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 talk about uh, you know them beating uh, Tampa. Uh, right, and then falling to the Cardinals, who are very, very good. It's a good football team. Um, that NFC West is brutal. It's going to be the Rams and the Cardinals, the 49ers. Eh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll ultimately see Seattle. Eh, we'll talk about Seattle. I mean, you know, no Russell Wilson. That really hurts. Um, but the Rams are good, and I'm going to go with the Rams and as the game's going to be played uh, 
in New York, New Jersey. Texans and Colts. So the Colts with that offense, Carson Wentz, looked pretty solid last week. You know, the defense, the defense for the Colts let that Indianapolis team down because that was an Indianapolis team. You looked up at the score, you're like, wow, what the 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 Colts are doing what to the Ravens and ultimately won that football game. Listen, it's an AFC showdown. Uh, the Texans are struggling right now, and, and and rightfully so. No Deshaun Watson. I mean, they're they're just struggling. I mean that that I mean, look, there's no surprise that the Texans are struggling. I like Indianapolis. Uh, I think it comes down to Indianapolis uh, or um, or ultimately uh, Tennessee uh, to win that AFC South. Um, but I like I like the Colts. Um, I think because again, if you're the Colts defense, like not a bad defense, not as good as maybe for me at least I would have thought the Colts would have been coming in defensively this year. That said, uh, not a bad defense. I mean, what are you going to do? Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson. That's a tough game for the Colts against the Ravens. But I like the Colts over the Texans in Indianapolis. The Chiefs and the Washington football team. So, listen, the Chiefs are struggling, no question about that. The problem is the Washington football defense, Washington football team defense is struggling mightily. Um, there's not much pass rush, although I think the pass rush last week uh, against the Saints was better than it's been. Um, you know, offensively, I mean, I still like Taylor Heineke. You know, re- receiver is starting to be sort of an not an issue, but they've got some injuries at wide receiver. I mean, the running game's solid. The, the offensive line is solid. You know, I never pick, I rarely ever pick against Washington. The issue with Washington is this. Not a very good defense. I mean, and and quite frankly, neither of these defenses are very good, right? But you've got an elite quarterback. And, and yeah, I get it, the Chiefs. But but a lot of the problems the Chiefs are having are offensively. I mean, excuse me, defensively for the Chiefs. So with that, two struggling defenses. Washington's defense is struggling more. The Chiefs' offense is better than the Washington offense, uh, even though Washington's good. And for the first time this year in a long time, I'm going to go against the Washington football team. Sorry, but I'm going to pick the Chiefs in Washington. The Bears and the Packers. So the Bears have been playing better. Uh, the Packers, a nail-biter. You know, I, I, I looked at that game against Cincinnati last week, and I said, listen, the pack, uh, the, the Cincinnati's pretty good, and the Packers are going to have their hands full. I ultimately did go with the Packers, and I was right. Um, the Bears are soft. Justin Fields is now your guy. You know, the Bears are, are solid right now. Um, are they as good as the Packers? No. Um, and, you know, they have some good things going for them meaning the Bears. But uh, I'm not going to go against Aaron Rodgers in this football game. Um, I definitely like the Packers over the Bears in Chicago. The Bengals and the Lions. So at one time the Lions were playing pretty decent. Now not so much. I mean, 
Chase is unbelievable. And, and for Joe Burrow to be able to have Chase to throw the football to, I mean, this kid is unbelievable. And, and it just shows that the Bengals were right in drafting this kid because all everybody, a lot of people said, well, you know, a lot of the so-called experts said, well, especially on draft night, a lot of criticism that the Bengals took by not drafting an offensive lineman to protect Joe Burrow. Well, guess what? The offensive line has done a pretty solid job this year. And by the way, uh, Burrow has chased to throw the football to and what a tandem uh, those two are, right? The Lions struggling right now, um, not playing as well as they once were. And I'm going to go with the Bengals over the Lions in Detroit. The Cardinals and the Browns. So the Browns, man, like, you know, if you're the Browns, yeah, they lost that shootout to the Chargers, right? We thought the – I mean, the Browns have a good defense. The Chargers are just really, really good. But the Browns, yeah, like they're not – they're okay, uh, right? They're okay. I mean, they got weapons all over the place, but it's not showing in the record as you would have thought it would have shown in the record. Now, the Browns have played a pretty tough schedule. The Chargers are a very good football team. You know, I like the way the Cardinals are playing right now. Like, the Cardinals remain undefeated. Got a win over the Rams. Uh, the Cardinals are really, really good. Kyler Murray is playing well. He's got weapons all over the place. And I'm going to go with the Cardinals in Cleveland. The Cowboys and the Patriots. So, the Cowboys are playing really well. Like, I was wrong coming. It was so far. I was wrong coming in. But I just could not pick the Cowboys. Because of what we saw last year with the Cowboys. Very disappointing. Obviously, you know, you, you, you the defense is solid. The offense is very, very good. I look at the Patriots, not impressed. Not impressed with the Patriots at all. Um, you know, you never can go against Bill Belichick and what he's going to scheme up defensively. And I like this as a close game, but I like the Cowboys over the Patriots in Foxborough. The Broncos and the Raiders, who the Raiders is just a bad situation right now. Um, I think there's an effect on the Raiders coming into this football game. The Raiders started out really strong, have lost uh, their last couple of games. Uh, and listen, uh, you talk about the Broncos and the way that the Broncos are playing. Yeah, coming off a loss to the Steelers, but no shame in that. Um, but definitely an AFC West battle, I like the Broncos in Denver the Steelers and the Seahawks so Russell Wilson is out Geno Smith comes in like I never I you know Geno Smith I thought could really do some good things but he's not Russell Wilson and that's going to be an issue for the Seahawks coming into this game um you look at the Steelers I, I, again I mean yeah Juju Smith Schuster is out right uh, but I still like the Steelers ran the ball very well uh, in in the victory uh, uh, over um, in last week's victory, right? Ran the football pretty well. So I, I feel like the Steelers, you know, can like get some things done in this football game. And the Seahawks are hurting right now. I like the Steelers in Pittsburgh. The Titans and the Bills. I mean, you talk about teams that are playing well. Not many more teams playing as well as Buffalo is playing the Titans eh, they're okay but the Bills Josh Allen the defense is monster he's got weapons 
He's got a running game. He's really, really good. I like the Bills in Nashville in that football game, and that is the Monday night football game. Your thoughts, hit me up via Twitter at box to row B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Up next here on box to row we had hoped to be joined by Langston head football coach, Quentin Morgan, uh, but we're going to switch gears, and actually we're going to be joined by Delaware State head football coach, Rod Milstead, as Delaware State has the week off, but has South Carolina State forthcoming. Rod Milstead is Box up. Box2Row.com is your source for conversations with and content on some of the biggest names in sports, HBCU sports, and entertainment. Box2Row.com. The Greater Raleigh Sports Alliance invites event planners, athletes, and fans to jump back into all the sports opportunities that Greater Raleigh, North Carolina has to offer. From BMX racing to baseball, soccer to swimming, world-class venues for championship play at every level are right here. Along with first-rate hotels and exciting off-field attractions and experiences. Learn more and plan your next play at raleighsports.org. The old renaissance is the new renaissance Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction This is the Harlem Brewing Company Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling That can only be described in one way, Harlem style So come and take a trip on the A-Train With our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale And our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer The Neighborhood Original Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsborough. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Salt Box, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. Hi everyone, this is the Chakra Doctor and I wanted to give you all a big thank you for making Miracle Food the number one detox program on the market. I also would like to give a warm welcome to all of my newcomers and first time triers of Miracle Food. Miracle Food is the Bruce Lee Jeet Kune Do of the holistic world. Now I'm not saying that there aren't other healers out there with products and services. I'm just clarifying that Miracle Food is the best. Come see what the hype is about at ChakraDoctor.org or call me at 818 818- Four two nine one six seven five. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. Rod Milstead is an alum of Delaware State. He's in his third season as the head football coach of the Hornets. And the Hornets, as a matter of fact, even their record on the season at three and three coming off. 56-6 victory over Virginia University of Lynchburg. And for the Hornets, MIAC play begins uh, in Dover, Delaware. South Carolina State comes to Dover. Rod Milstead right now joining us here on Tarot. Coach Milstead, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Your, your thoughts. Uh, uh, what did you learn from your team in the victory last Saturday against University uh, uh, the uh, Virginia University of Lynchburg? Well, the biggest thing is that uh, we wanted to play four quarters of football. 
and uh, we wanted to, to see and get an evaluation of where we were as a football program. We always talk about, and I talk about, and I, about the standard on how we got to play. And I don't care who the opponent is, we have to play up to the standard. All the good teams, your championship teams, they play to a standard. They play above the line. And that's what I wanted. I didn't want us to come into that game thinking, oh, it's the University of Virginia Lynchburg, you know, they're 0-4, 0-5, whatever they were, and uh, we played down uh, uh, to them. And so I was very pleased that uh, although we didn't start uh, and score in the first quarter, uh, the second quarter we really took off and, and started uh, to play at the standard and play above the line. So it was good in that aspect. And, and, and we, I learned a lot about my football program, that we got a bunch of guys who really believe in the vision that I said a few years ago, and they're really pushing the agenda. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, you came in and we talked with you about this your first year. And, I mean, the MEAC championships you won as a player, you're trying to reestablish that. And, you know, with a 3-3 three and three record right now, uh, it's pretty solid. Let's go back to two weeks ago with the victory over Wagner. Uh, overtime victory, really good win for the program. Yes, it was. It was. We uh... – we came out the gate and, uh, I mean, got shot 15 seconds in the game, and you're down 7 nothing. Uh, one of our guys missed the tackle, and they were off to the races. So um, that part right there we didn't like. Uh, got down 20-7 to at halftime, and uh, uh, I had to have one of those coming to Rob Milstead speeches to our team and, <laughs> and told them, you know, hey, we're going to find out what we're about right now. Okay, all the sprints, all the hard work, everything that we put into this thing, we're going to find out right now if it was worth it and our guys decided that you know what they were going to play football and we came out and uh just really took the game over in the third quarter and then uh the game went overtime and uh we had two shots at in overtime and actually won it the second time in overtime should have won it the first time uh but we missed the missed the field goal and uh we won it the second time on the touchdown and we're very very fortunate and, and uh looking forward to uh playing uh you know south carolina state for homecoming yeah, and I mean, you look at you know Bowie State. That's a nice win. Like Bowie State's ranked in the in the in the HBCU media poll at number six. Uh, even though it D two, that doesn't matter. It's a good program. Um, where you are, where we are, halfway through the season. Your thoughts on your team as a whole? We're still we're steady getting better. Uh, that's the one thing that I like about our team is that we are are definitely getting better every week. And and we're still young. I mean, I got a team full of sophomores and and, and freshmen, which is exciting for the future because of the fact longevity of course you know you talked about winning MEAC championships you're going to have to build it build it through you know your veterans your your freshmen and then also through some of your transfers that you get and you put those three pieces of the puzzle together and you get them buying in and you you have a championship football team so for us it was all about a process and you know I've said it a million times and I've hashtag it trust the process and I knew it would take some time to build this thing. This was Delaware State has been down for a while, and it wasn't going to be a plug-and-play and, play and uh, or, or put insert Coach Milstead an automatic MEAC championship. It doesn't work that way. We were going to have to build it and build it from the ground up. And then we're, I think we're right on track of, of what we're trying to get done. That the voice of Rod Milstead in his third season as the head football coach at Delaware State. He joins us here on Box to Row. That's an interesting point. Because when I look at this, and even if I go back to the – well, let, let me start here. The spring. How much did the spring help you in terms of where your program is right now this year? Oh, it helped us tremendously. We needed to practice. We 
uh, during the spring. That's where it all started for us was during the spring and having an opportunity to play against South Carolina State twice and to play against the University of Delaware and also play against uh, Howard twice. It was a, a great opportunity for us to – I had some new coaches that just got hired in February and COVID had shut everything down and uh, they hadn't had a chance to meet the players or, or implement what they wanted to implement. So the spring and, and, uh, and playing uh, – I mean, practicing in the fall and then having an opportunity to practice and play in the spring, it just brought us to, to closer together as a family, as a football program. And it also set the standard and the expectations of what's to be expected when we started here this fall. So uh, our guys know the expectations. They know they have to play up to the standard above the line. And uh, it, it was really, really good for our program to get a lot of guys on the field and to be able to evaluate them really in game time situations. You know, I said I said third year, but you all did play in the spring. So it's really the fourth season. And so what were the your true OK, your realistic expectations coming in? Because. Your Delaware State alum played when Delaware State was really good, but the bottom line is, and the fact of the matter is, the program has really been down. So where you are right now, uh, did you are you where you thought you would be, you know, four years in at three and three, staring four and three in the face when you first took this job? Yes, I I, I said it from day one that it would take a couple years to, you know, to to really get things going. I I you know, uh, assess our program like buying a used car. You get a used car, you see it on the lot, you like it. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's clean, it's shiny. Then the rain comes and you have it for a few months and then you notice, you know what, I may need a tire over here. I may need an oil change. And you start changing and you start adjusting and you're doing the maintenance on it. It was the same thing with Delaware State. Delaware State has been down for so long football-wise. And it had some pieces of the puzzle that need to be adjusted. And we adjusted those things. Some things we, we took off and put new ones on. And uh, I said the third season would be the season where, you know, you would start to see uh, the significant change. And uh, we're right on point right now. We look at the spring as an opportunity to play football. But, of course, the NCAA has said that that season or, or spring season did not count. And so this is actually the season when I talk, spoke about being the third season where you start to see the significant change. So I'm excited where we are, looking forward to to, to plan out the MEAC schedule. And, you know, when I built the schedule, the schedule was built to play six games, uh, have a bye week, and then uh, go into MEAC play. So we are right where we want to be. Um, just looking forward to seeing how we progress through the MEAC. Yeah, you know, for me, I think, you know, where I saw the change start to happen, and, and, and there's no such things as moral victories, right? But if you, you look at the 2019 season to open the season, and you lose to Delaware 31 to 13. I mean, that was like a 70 to nothing game, 70 to six. I mean, that was a it was big losses, right? So, I mean, that's sort of where I started to kind of see um, where you were, you know, sort of taking the program. And of course, you're three and three right now. But let me ask you this What do you remember most about those great days at Delaware State when you were winning MEAC championships? <laughs> well, well, the one thing I remember the confidence that we had going into every game. You know, Coach Collick has set the groundwork where the expectation was that you were going to win this football game. We just didn't know how about by how many points. So uh, you knew you were going to have a winning record, and it was already engraved in your mind from day one 
that these things were going to happen. But Coach Colick, you know, he built it. They they built it. Him and Coach Przicki, they built it, and uh, uh, way before I got there. And so when I got there, it was simple. They were already had a program established. You look at the older guys. You watch what they do. You mimic their work ethics, and that's the standard. And so when I got here, undersized, six one, two hundred thirty five pound offensive lineman. There was a guy named Tony Danzi who was an All-American in front of me. And I just watched everything that Tony did, learned how he did things. And from that point, it was pretty simple to me to, to just follow and, and, and have an opportunity to step in right away. Rod Milstead, again, the head football coach at Delaware State, joins us here on the program. And then, of course, those uh, NFL days, uh, Cowboys, Browns, 49ers, then Washington Redskins, now, of course, the Washington football team, Broncos. Of course, you were able to win – a Super Bowl with the 49ers. Yes. Yes, that's probably the highlight of, of my my uh, career. I tell people that, that those years when I became a pro. The first two years in Cleveland was Coach Belichick's first time being a head coach, and it was difficult. There were some things that he made mistakes, and, you know, we weren't very good. When I got to, to Cleveland, of course, uh, there's a standard, and there's expectations, and you know, their model was if you don't win a Super Bowl, your season's a bust. And I've never heard that before. And so for me, that was intriguing because I came from Cleveland. And heck, if you just made the playoffs, man, everyone loved you. You were the best thing since sliced bread. But in San Francisco, that was a given that you're going to make the playoffs. The Super Bowl is what we really, really want. So uh, being a part of that my first year out and getting a chance to experience it and to understand what it takes to be a champion, what it takes to be. Uh, NFL player and what it takes to be a Super Bowl champion for me was was amazing and those are the principles that I bring here to Delaware State the exact same work ethic last thought uh, two close losses to South Carolina State one in overtime to end the season in the spring what are some of the challenges that the Bulldogs present they are a very well coached Buddy Pew tough team I mean they they are fast defensively and offensively uh, they can put you in conflict with their quarterback and their receiving core. Uh, they're good. There's a reason why they were picked uh, to be the MEAC uh, champions, preseason champions this year. Um, they're loaded with talent uh, all the way across the board uh, with a quarterback that can beat you with his feet. He can beat you with his arm. And also uh, a receiving core that's very shifty, fast, running backs that are a, a tandem pair of running backs that are very, very good. One's a big one, uh, more of a, a bruiser type back, and the other one, is smaller but fast and shifty. So offensive line, that's aggressive. Uh, they do a lot of things well, and, and, and that's why they've been scoring points, although their record hasn't reflected. They're a really good football program. Uh, defensively, a defensive line likes knockbacks, like to get you back off the ball and, and try to attack your quarterback. They blitz you almost every play. Uh, they run to the ball well to try to, to eliminate the run game. And then their defensive backs, they have one that's a pro prospect who's a junior, uh, he's 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 really really good, and they're very very stingy on the outside playing man coverage. So we're going to have our work cut out for us. You know we've had two tight games with them in in the spring, and we came out on the on the bad end of the stick both times. So uh, our guys are itching to go back out there and play them again, and uh, it's going to be a very very good football game here in Dover. Of course, Delaware State three and three on the season. Rod Milstead again in his fourth season as the head football coach at Delaware State joining us here on Box to Row. Coach Milstead, appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Hornets. Thank you so much. The Hornets playing South Carolina State next week for homecoming. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Rod Milstead and Manny Diaz for joining us today here on Box to Row. For more information on the program, 
log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support you. Box to Row is presented by DW Communications.